a man as a priest of God, then enjoy your marriage. And number six, God hate divorce. Number seven, Jesus is teaching about polygamy. If you didn't catch it, let me read again. Who is man? Two, man as husband to a wife. Then, man as father of nations. Then, man as priest of God. Then, enjoying your marital life. Enjoy your marriage. Man must enjoy his marriage. Then, God hate divorce. And the seventh is the teachings of Jesus about polygamy. You know, the, one, the seventh one, which is the teachings of Jesus about polygamy, I felt very much that in this age and time, I need to teach it because a lot of rubbish is in the church of God globally. Some people have developed biblical references to start teaching that polygamy is from God, is legitimate, and it came from the gang of ministers, either bishops or whatever, who have been over the past years in the Pentecostal movement, began to commit adultery, kick out their wives, and marry other wives. And some of them are in relationship outside their marriage. Unfortunately, many people who go to their churches, because a good number of them have large followership, and people who go to their churches have believed that if the bishop can do that, then it is godly. It's so strange. There's a write-up I'm doing now going on publication by the dawn of July about the coming of the Lord. When I began to write, tears almost ran down from my eyes. I will read those things. Of course, you will get the publication here on Testify. We are living in a momentous time. A period where every prophecy that Jesus said is happening. And so we must be very, very careful. Let me say something before we go on. Life is worth enjoying. God created this world to be enjoyed. And He gave you life to enjoy life. God did not give you life to suffer. He did not create this world for any man to suffer. So we look at who is man. And we will see who is God in light of it. In the book of Genesis, chapter 1, from verse 26. Before we go into Genesis 1, 26, we discover something that, in the book of Genesis, chapter 1, it revealed, Genesis chapter 1 revealed a God who was never spoken about. And it says, in the beginning, God. That is verse 1. Now, this tells you and I an information about a being. But if you look at that word, in the beginning, God, that word implies that there is no beginning but Him. That word implies that in the God beginning. In another word, that was, He is the beginning of all things. 
There are some things about God that your little brain cannot comprehend. Because even some of you who are very much highly educated in various things, when you speak about those things that you are educated in, to those of us who are ignoramus, we can't comprehend it. I was discussing with my son, uh, Brother Samuel, three weeks ago, about um, a medical um, problem they had on television. And how they just, um, you know, took an ovary from a woman, cut it off, and because she has some medical terrible condition, and then after they froze it for years. And when she grew up, from the age of 13, now she's in about 20-something, they took the frozen uh, ovary, put it back in her, and she conceived. And we began to look at what the devil can do through that. All right? He is looking at it from the point of medicals. I was looking at it from the point of law. Because when I was doing intellectual property, I did a lot about all those stuff. So, but there is something that we both came to. That the enemy will always, any knowledge that is given, Satan will always pervert it. And where are they intending to go? They are intending to go because they have already created a womb into a man. We didn't function. They have created a female organ into man right now. And there are many outside there, you see, who work like women. They are men, but they've changed their male organ to female organ. And we looked at it. He brought me all the books in medicine. And we looked at, you know, male organ, female organ. I did biology very, very well. It was my best subject, And I don't forget it. So it's easy for me to follow tricks like that. So when we're looking at it, I said to my son... And we're talking about possibility of them being able to achieve this and impossibility, why it's not possible and stuff. And then I told my son that, well, one day maybe we'll hear that somebody will cut the head of a man and put it on the body of another man. And after I spoke to him about it, two days after, there was a stupid man, <laughs> a medical stupid doctor, or a stupid medical doctor or both, applicable came on television and said that he advertised that he wanted to cut the head of a man. And a, a man who is suffering from this bone, uh, he has muscle disintegration issue came up, all his body in, you know, disintegrating, but he said it's okay. And the man came to television that he wants his head to be cut so that this man can put his head on a body that is okay. And so... That man went to America to solicit for help from these professors of medicine. And they said that um, one of the professors came up and told me, I said that it's peculiar mess. That guy is just mad. <laughs> and I began to discourse from my own personal knowledge on how could that be possible. When you cut off the neck of a man, uh, the spine and all the nerves that go, how would they connect? Plus, the fact that if you cut off the head of a man, how would the heart function? The man said it will freeze the body. Now, <laughs> and then I recorded it, I gave it to my son when he came back from his hospital. That Look, this is what we discussed. Is now, you know, we only picked up what some people are trying to think. Let me say this to you. I'm saying that to help you understand that when we talk about cutting the body of a man and putting another part of the body, many of us here, we wonder what's going on. We, if we try to understand it, we cannot understand it. Because to understand that, there are some preliminary knowledge that you must have acquired along your life 
accurately and it demands various experts of knowledge to even take a kidney from somebody and put another kidney of another man there. So, as it is that it is complex for you and I to understand, so it is complex for you to understand God. More complex. But for today, because today I'm not talking about the proof that God is. Some of that time now I will take you into all that. So that uh, we will be a bit foolish and then wise again. That is, we look into human intelligence and we look into God himself. You will discover that the word of God is perfect. So he revealed to us here a God. What is the evidence of that God? And what did we begin to see about the God? The first thing that God was said to do is he did what created. God, in the beginning, God created. So the first thing is that God created. Fathers must create atmosphere for their families to live. God created as a father. The heavens and the earth. And he created everything that man would need at that time. Up to this time and the future time. Everything we would discover, God created it. But if you look at, we recognize one element of a father. A father is a provider for his home. A young man must not go into marriage if you have not settled yourself with the ability to provide for lives. Beginning from the woman you will marry to the children that will come out of the womb. So, young men, don't rush into relationship with girls. You don't need it. The Bible says, how can a young man keep his way pure? By hearkening to the voice of God. And when you get into relationship, arms length. So that you don't destroy your ambition in life. Father must make provision. God, as the Father, the first thing we knew about Him is He created the heavens and the earth. And you young girls also, don't go and look around with a, a man who has no power to provide. Let him be a loner for life. The second thing about God here, yeah, if you look at it, the next verse says, Now the earth was empty and void, and the Spirit of God was in control. The second thing we saw about God the Father is that though there was chaos, what he started was messed up. And thick darkness overtook the whole world. But God was not panicking. A father must not panic. A father must be in control. What I helped them to understand yesterday, what gives a man confidence to be in control in, in chaos is your knowledge. It's what you know about yourself. If you are confident of who you are, there are, there are some issues that will not move you at all because you know who you are. <clears throat> I would get that now. What gave God confidence, you know, while there was chaos? It is because God had a plan before concerning the earth. And his plan, you know, depends only on him. If you look at the book of Isaiah, I think it's fifty four eighteen. Very quickly, we come back to this one. Who is in that stuff? 
Somebody read the, the Bible when you get it for me, please. Don't worry about this one. Maybe the computer is messed now. Read it. Isaiah 54, verse 18. If you find it, just read it. Read from 17 to 18. Isaiah 54. Um, okay, no, it's not Isaiah 54. Look at the 53 of Isaiah. Let me get you that. No, sorry, 45. 45, 17. Isaiah 45, 17. We're looking at the creation. 45, 17. Just read it, love. Forty-five, seventeen, eighteen. 17, 18. Yes. So, in verse 18, the Bible says, God said, He created the world not to be empty. Do we see that? He fashioned it not to be empty. And he created it to be inhabited. But verse 2 said, Now the earth was void and empty. So God had problems. But he was still in control. Fathers do have problems. But you must be in control. What made God to be in control is this idea. He had a vision. A father must have a vision for his own household. And a father must have the equipment to deliver the vision. Or equip himself to deliver the vision. God knows that he has the power to deliver what he plans. And it does not matter what an external force will do. He cannot change his intention. That attribute can manifest in a man because of your knowledge. Knowledge is power. The Bible says a man that has riches without knowledge is like a brute that perish, a beast that perish. It says for, for victory in war, you need wisdom. So fathers must get knowledge. Knowledge is not inborn. It is acquired. You don't give birth to a child with a knowledge. No. All of us acquire the knowledge by making efforts. So therefore, fathers must have vision. Fathers must be in control. Any situation that will happen to your family, you must be in control. Fathers must not panic. But let me say something to you. I will drive into something before the end of this meeting. A few minutes now. So we saw back to your, to your Genesis that first thing God did was that he did what? God created. God created. God created. And in verse 2, what did he do? He was in control. Never moved. Because of what? Knowledge. Isaiah 45, 18. He knows what he wants to achieve. He knows what he wants to do. You fathers must not be confused. You had a direction to your family. You must make everything possible in your power to earn what is necessary to steer your will. I would together now. But if you look at therefore, the verse 3, 
It says, and God spoke. Father's words must not fall to the ground. All these things are attributes of confidence. He spoke. He spoke things that bid. Fathers must not speak things that will not be. You know, in family, whatever the father says, the son or the children just believe it. And whenever anybody says something different, we say, my father said. Fathers carry a lot of authority, isn't it? Have you done that before to your own father? Haven't, we, haven't you heard me quote my father all the time when I preach to you? Yes, I do. I, yesterday I did too. My father said, because the lives of these new children will lean on you. And God will ask only you about them. That's the reason why you must become like God for them or to them. God created. God was in control. And the Bible says, God spoke and it beat. But then this will take us into, having God demonstrated all this, we recognize the fact that the reason why God did all this was because God loved the world. John 3.16. What does it say? For God so loved I'm sure I'm not in the headquarters. Let's read that John 3.16 again. (laughs) Do you know something I felt? You know, you women listen to me now because you are the one who is going to do this. Today is Father's Day, isn't it? When we finish this service, you have tea and coffee for us to take. Yeah? Who, who, who is that? <laughs> you were not invited yesterday. <laughs> Did you hear what she said? So, every Father's Day from next year, headquarters. Put table there. As fathers are going out after I preach to them, let them take coffee to cool themselves down. <laughs> Before they go home and eat their dinner. There is something about God that we need to get. He loved his creation. Look, let me ask you. Are all of us that he created good people? But he still loved us. Are we all obedient people? He still loved us. Even church people. How many times will God listen to the fallers in the church? Fallers and risers. Today they fall, tomorrow they rise, tomorrow they fall. The same fall, 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 fall. Every day they are telling God, please forgive me, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. And God still loved them. So a father must love his wife, whatever she becomes. Father must love his children, whatever they become. There is something I told the man, yes, let me help you understand this. How can you love a man who is disobedient? How can you love a man who is not doing your will? Separate between the man and conduct. You gave birth to a child. It came out of your body. What becomes of that child does not invalidate his sonship or daughtership. It will bear your name. God forbid, if you become a gang and he goes to jail, he carries your name to gang, he carries your name to jail, he comes out with your name and continues to live with your name. Because of that, don't let the conduct of your children 
make you hate them. You can't hate your body. Even when it aches. How many of you have been angry with your tongue because you beat your tongue three times in one minute and you say, I had enough of this tongue. Get me a knife and cut it off. What do you do? Ah! Mm -hmm. (laughs) That's all you do. Do you hate the tongue? No. The Father... The Father's love, of course, Mommy is going to be teaching you about that in October. She's been teaching them all over the world. Is agape. The love of a father should be agape. So that either your wife is good, or your wife is terrible, or your wife is middle range. You must love her. Separate conduct from person. Your children are obedient, they are disobedient. You work on them. God is so patient with those that are still working on us. So why can't you understand? Can't you understand? You've got to be like God. You love your enemies because God loves his enemies. You love those who despitefully use you because God did. Never curse a man because God will not curse what he has done. Someone say, but what about people who are afflicted with curses? No, a man chooses to go into curse. The Bible tells us that in the book of Deuteronomy, 20, uh, 20, Deuteronomy 30. <clears throat> See, I said before you, blessings and curses. Choose life. God even did say choose one. So the Father loved the world. I will ask you, man, how much do you love your wife? Leave this place today and go and renew your love. Are we together now? Go and love your child. Who is not lovable. If your child has played the way, you have to discipline the child because love disciplines. They are saying the child that the father loves, he chastises. But when that child suffers out of the act of disobedience and cry, bring him back. So that you can now use that suffering to educate him that I had told you, didn't you? That is lesson number one. Yeah? But still father him. Same thing with your wife. Your wife is not a different person. It's your body. Really, your wife is of you more than your children. Because it is out of you and your wife that the nations came. I will together now. Then what is man? Look at verse 26, chapter 1. It says, And God said, chapter 1, verse 26 of Genesis. God said, Let us what? Hey, headquarters. (laughs) Shall we read it together? Likeness. Now, let me give you three things there. First thing is this. God made you in his image. You look like God. Because I'm talking about God now, someone can be saying that, how can a man do that? Ah, it is hard, though. 
How can a man just love somebody who is rebellious? How can it be possible? It's possible because somebody loved you too in your rebellion. And he blessed you in your disobedience. And he still promised you. That's why the fact that you have disappointed him several times. And then, he made you like himself. He created you in his image, that you look like him. Then he made you in his likeness, so that you have the abilities that he has. All the abilities God has, man has. Alright? That's the reason why man could invent. That's the reason why one useless man wants to cut the head of another man and freeze the body and put, cut the head of two people and carry one head to another body. I mean, because God, the attribute of God is a man always pushing, always pushing to create, pushing to love. Okay? So, everything that God is, we are. Alright? But let me say something to you. A little boy, when you give birth to him, does he have spermatozoa? He does. But he's not functioning yet. He does. But nothing will come out of it yet. It is not when he grew up, he starts to acquire them. No, he's there. The what to produce it is there. Or does a girl born menstruate? Okay? But the thing that will cause the menstruation is there. The womb is there. The ovary is there. And a small baby. Okay? So you and I are exactly like God. But how much of God manifests in us depends on how much of God that we get ourselves used to. How much you develop in God. You know, God showed me something about you on Wednesday. You. As you're looking at me like that. And I rejoice over you. <laughs> what you are beginning to do in London, I tell you. You will look at yourself and say, I know it's not me. And it's not, you are the one who says, how can it be me? And that's what God is going to do with this church. I have seen it. The Lord visited me on Wednesday. I showed me some things that uh, uh, made me tired of every other thing. Now let me say this to you, therefore. You are in the image of God and the likeness of God is you. The fourth thing is this. God did not just make us in His image and in His likeness so that we can develop like, like God is. He gave us the rulership to be in control. We'll talk more about that as you enter July. That is the reason why those of you who are fathers in the church. Haven't God be a father? And because he's a father, he created the world. He loved the world. He created man. But before he brought man to the business, he created everything man would need. So we can create everything our family would need before we start to make the family. Hallelujah, somebody. I told you before that my father, when I told him that I want to marry my wife, after many years, he said to me, go and show me your passbook. In, you know, in those days, you, are, you guys are lucky. Because in your days, you don't use passbook, you use card. You use uh, plastic. Eh? Even now, you are using telephone to transfer money and, uh, 
And you can look at the statement of your account on telephone. In my days, there is no telephone. There is only the telephone you ring. You go, then you ring nine. It's very long. Then you ring the other one again. And one man has it in the area. All of That man is a god. All of us, we go and, we go and queue in his house to telephone. We beg him. So we are a friend to him. He can do anything and get away with it. Nobody wants to fight him. Because we need his house for telephone. Uh, you are very lucky. At the same time, to television, somebody had one useless box in his house. <laughs> Black and white. And all of us would be queuing at the window, watching. Uh, there. You know something? But your own time is very, very easy, you know. I thank God that I didn't die before this time. <laughs> I was telling them last week, I, I had this uh, iPhone. I've been phoning my wife with it. Uh, Hello, darling. You know, how are you? I love you all the time. I never saw loving you, my old girl, and stuff like that. And, uh, but I never saw my wife. And uh, we'll be talking. You know, that is like our old days. It's in your heart you see your lover. Because there's no way to see her. Suddenly, I saw something. They put face something. I looked at this stuff that, if they say this is face, it may be something that can face me. I pressed it. And when I pressed it, I saw my photograph. Ah! I said to my wife, that, do you have this face something on your side? I said, yeah. I said, press it. She pressed that face something. And I said, look at you. I'm in Buckingham. You are in a... De-. My wife said, oh, oh. <laughs> Hallelujah forevermore. Hey, this sounds is no more problem. Ah, then let me tell you to your face, I love you. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> they, have, they have developed from face me, I face you, to face telephone now. <laughs> now listen to me, therefore. God made us in his image. And God is love. Okay? If you can be like God, you'll be happy all your life. So when God created husband, he gave you the first command. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 20, 22. What did he say? Husband, love your wife. You will see that now? Husband, love your wife. And it didn't stop there because when he said husband, love your wife... People can say that, well, if God commanded me to love my wife, my love is personal and your love is personal. It can be different types of approach of love because, you know, you don't know what my wife is doing to me. I, I don't know what your wife is doing to you. So, God said, love your wife. I love my wife. Well, you can love your wife because your wife is very happy and is very obeying and stuff. My own wife, you know, sometimes, only God help us. So, I can't love her like you love your wife. God didn't stop there. I said, as Christ loved the church. So, he bucks all of us. That the love we will have to our wife is the same. That is the love that does not slap a person. I haven't seen Jesus slap the church before. I haven't seen Jesus tell the church, Shut up! You liar. Even when you are lying. When you are lying before God. Say, God, I didn't know. But you knew. You know that I didn't want to, I didn't want to do that thing I did. But you are a liar. You did it. I am still talking to God that, God, you know that, you know, I am weak. You are not weak. And yet God loves you. So it means that we must love our wives unconditionally. You know, let me tell you something. When a woman is growing, 
that woman has a hope. It's only the father and the mother. She's happy. Alright? The father will provide everything in his power for the woman. Girls are always clinging around their fathers. While boys are always clinging around their mothers. That girl is so satisfied. Happy. Okay? Sleep nice. Even when there is rebuke and all stuff, she's still happy. She can still go back to the dad and stuff. When that girl leaves the, the father's house, the worst thing that can happen to her is to be in the hands of a man who will not treat her like the father. You won't want your daughter to be like that. So you can't treat another person's daughter like that. You want a man who will father, a woman wants a woman to father her. So that you have to love your wife like you love your daughter. Either she misbehave or not. That is your uh, custard and cake. Oh yes. If you, have cost, if you have cake, you put custard on it. Hallelujah. Good behavior cake, bad behavior custard, eat it together. That should not make you hate your wife. Somebody asked a question yesterday. What about if your wife falls sick? And a sickness that cannot be cured. It's to your wife. It's to your wife. Your leg cannot be cut off because you think your leg is sick. Really, let me say, if, let me, if I use your leg, maybe somebody can be philosophically arguing. Your heart cannot be cut off because your heart is sick. You will not tell the doctor that, I hate this heart. Remove it. So is your wife to you. She is your heart. The command of God to you and I, love your wife. Not because she obeys, but because she's your wife. Leave the room for conduct. Separate conduct from the man. The man hasn't changed. That old look is always there, no matter how old you are. Eh? Even if the body is changing, don't worry. You too, you are changing. Is there any man here who didn't change since they married you? You remain the same. Then you will need deliverance. High one. So nothing should change you. But let me say this to you. Someone says that my wife doesn't obey me. If you can love her like God, she will weep and repent. You know, God corrects you. But God doesn't argue with you. He doesn't. When God gives you instruction and you're arguing, God just keeps quiet. Don't you understand? But when he will speak again, what he told you before is what he will say. He will repeat himself. He will never change. You may go hundred miles arguing, nagging before God. I don't know why I get here. We are asked, you are the one who brought yourself there. Why me? You apply for it. Look at my friend. You didn't do what your friend did. And then you blame God for everything you have done. Have you ever had God talk to you when you are doing that? He keeps quiet. Unfortunately, when you finish all those nonsense, God will say to you that, uh, son, as I was telling you 10 years ago, I'm going to use you. <laughs> I'm sending you to Tokyo. I'm going to bless you. Has that to do with your conduct? So, two Sundays ago you were told, when he came to Gideon and said, Gideon, go in the center, Gideon said that, God, are you the only stranger in this place? 
Jesus on the road of Emmaus, he met his disciples and he was talking to them about himself. And he said, are you the only stranger? And he said, you have not heard about what happened to, this, to Jesus Christ of Nazareth. And they were telling Jesus about himself. And Jesus looked at them and said, oh, yes, that is correct. That is true. The prophet spoke about him. Yeah, that is right. And that, that, that. So when they finished, he said, okay, let us eat together, friends. And when they sat down, he took the bread. He broke it the way he does. He has his own style of breaking bread and the fish. So when they saw, ah, nobody breaks bread like this. It's only the master. And the Bible said, their eyes opened. Ah! And it vanished <laughs> before their eyes. Look, let's be like God. It is profitable. To be happy is your choice. You know what you call offense is your definition of offense. It's not really an offense. Offense is what is classified. Because before, before classification of offense, there was offense existing and there was no, there was not offense. The Bible says so. You have three dispensations in the Bible. The definition of conscience, Genesis to uh, Moses. Then the definition of law from Moses to Jesus. Then grace from Jesus to now. But in the time of conscience, there was sin abounding. Okay? But it was not labeled sin until Moses came with the law. And there was the codification of misbehavior. Okay? Therefore, what you call offense, that is what is offense. So if your wife did something and you call it not offense, though it looks like offensive, then it's not offense. Isn't it? Come on. Married men, are you looking at me like that? I want to go quick. So you answer me quick. You know, some of you men, when, before you married your wife, no woman touched your cheek. No, so. A woman touched your cheek, you boil like fire. Eh? My cheek? But when you met your wife, were you not the one who put your cheek down? See? Put your hand here. Put your hand here. Eh? So, she now held your chin. <laughs> that is me. <laughs> because, formerly, it was rude for a man to touch your face. But then, for one person, it is unrude. It is not rude. Offense is what you call offense. You know, so I met a pastor um, yesterday, I suppose. Or, no, two days ago. And the pastor was saying that apostle... You know, he's a senior pastor of a big church. He said, we never stop talking about you. He said, I've never seen a man like you. He said, because you are the only one that any dick and Harry in your church can see you. I said, there's no dick in my church. Neither is there a Harry. <laughs> if people are dick, all my members are dick. If people are Harry, all of them are Harry. I don't have dick and Harry. He said to me that, you know, because anybody can just see you, you know, all your church members, the new one, the old one, the leaders, members. He said, and we talk about it that at your level, how can people be seeing you like that? Yes. You know, that is the world though. Some people where you want to go and see them, they don't pass more than 100 people. They will give you six months because they think that if they give you tomorrow, they will be cheap. I asked him, if Jesus was their shepherd, can they see him? So, for them, to see them is an offense. 
But for me, it's a privilege. What you call offense, that is offense. So you can call every mistake of your wife a privilege. Yeah? <laughs> he has a privilege. If she did wrong, <laughs> yes. Huh? So instead of letting that get in your head and you are saying that, hey, hold me. Uh, you are not half where they married you. <laughs> you are hold you when you went to beg to apply for marriage. Hallelujah, somebody. And then after they join you together and you begin to say that, I will not take that nonsense. Uh, you will take it in Jesus' name. So, Father, therefore, love your wives. Ecclesiastes 6, 9, 9. Shall we read together? No, you didn't read it. Read it again. So, meaningless times meaningless to the power meaningless, what is it? <laughs> Let me say this to you. Your wife is a gift from God. Your family are a gift from God. When you were born, you never knew them. And God blessed you with them. Appreciate the blessing. Love the blessing. Protect the blessing. Keep the blessing. Because that is the Father in heaven. And I will say this to you that uh, before I pray with you. Tomorrow, we are starting the men's convention, and it will be in the cathedral. So, throughout this week, in the evening prayer, nobody comes here to pray. Nobody enters this building. Pastor, take the key from everybody who has key. You will get it now. Nobody comes to this building. Everybody must go to the cathedral. All prayers will be done in the cathedral. Everything you want to pray at 6, come to cathedral and pray at 6. So that we will concentrate all our energy into that area. Now let me say this to you also. I will minister every, every evening. Even if we have a guest coming, I will still minister. I will let the guest, guest himself finish his job, then I will minister to you. Because God revealed and we are in the threshold of God's manifestation and visit. And I want to make sure that I don't disappoint God over you. So let us give ourselves this week. Both male and female children, everybody, we go there. It's a convocation for the church. And then, by the grace of God, usually every last Saturday of the convention, we have family fun day. But uh, there is a wedding on Saturday. So because of that, our family fun day, we are now organizing it with the youths so that we will do it in the future. And the men will take care of it. Okay. But keep this in your heart. We'll still go out for family fun day in this summer when it's still bright and sunny. Keep this in your heart. That God, the God of Israel, will visit you in this week. Amen. Believe what I tell you. You know, I don't tell you God, the Lord appeared to me when he doesn't. And when he tells me things, forget it, it's going to happen. You have known today that God didn't love you because you are well behaved. Though those he loves will please him if they behave. You know that. 
They have two children. One is disobedient, one is very obedient and always around. The one who is obedient and around, he will get everything from you. But the one who is a disobedient one, when he wants anything from you, he'll go through his brother. Isn't it? So is the church. Many people are going through others because they have not intimated themselves with God. But God still loves you. But if you obey him, you know, it puts you in a better standing. And he wants you to do obey him. Then we get it now. So let's make sure when we're coming in this week, we expect a divine touch from heaven. Shall we rise up together, please? Yes, the Lord, my God and my King, I thank you. There are some sicknesses related to, to meal, like low sperm counts. They are taken away in the name of Jesus. Like a rectal problem, they are healed in the name of Jesus. Father, like Ania, they are healed in the name of Jesus. Like prostate enlargement or cancer, they are healed in the name of Jesus. This is Father's Day, Lord. We cry to you, the Father in heaven. People who are sick in their body, genital organ diseases, be healed in the name of Jesus as of Nazareth. Continuous menstrual pain, I curse it to die in the name of Jesus. Every tree that my heavenly father did not plant in human bodies, let it be pulled out. Let it be pulled out. Let it be pulled out. In the name of Jesus as of Nazareth. From the crown of your head, migraine, go in the name of Jesus. Pain in the eardrum, around the ear, be healed in the name of Jesus as of Nazareth. Somebody suffering itching is a disease. I speak to your endodermis. I speak to your damalaya. I speak to the tissues of your skin. Be healed in the name of Jesus. Oh Lord, we thank you for your grace and mercy. Empower all these, your people. Fill them with your spirit power. Men who are struggling today in the area of fatherhood, Father, we ask from the throne of heaven, that the Spirit of the Most High will manifest everything they need. Joblessness vanish. People who have read and read and read and qualified, today we ask that put their qualification together to promote them. Everyone who have invested in studies, Father, let harvest come out of the investment. There shall be no jobless among you. There shall be no jobless among you. There shall be no jobless among you in the name of Jesus Christ. I bring businesses, people who have businesses, traders or people who have big businesses. Father, you are the one who can open the windows of heaven, the floodgates of, of heaven. I ask that you open the floodgates and you send rain upon the works of their hands. Before the end of June, I speak, you will laugh. So shall it be, and so it is. In Jesus' anointed name we are praying. Before the throne of above, I have a and perfect plea. The great high priest, whose name is love, he ever